When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. From Headstuff Studios in Dublin, welcome to Motherfuck Lore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Gaucher. Hi, I'm Tara Flynn. <laughs> That's right. We have Tara Flynn with us today. I couldn't resist jumping in on your intro. <laughs> You're very welcome to. Tara, we are absolutely delighted to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. As you know, Tara is a comedian, writer, <laughs> singer, entertainer, and never does anything serious ever. No, no, no serious things. Not again, not anymore now. I've had enough serious, serious talk in life. Yeah, I think we, I think it's been it's been a serious year, and now it's time to get to get funny. Yeah, yeah, it's been a serious kind of three years. So, and it was taking me out of not only my comfort zone, but out of the zone that I really should be in, which mm-hmm. is, you know, stay in your lane, Flynn. And the lane is a funny one. Um, so <laughs> when I started to get emails about Irish water and, you know, why I wasn't talking about homelessness enough and I was going, oh, I'm not an elected representative. You've mm-hmm. got the wrong end of the stick there. But if you want me to write a joke about any of that, I'm more than happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we got one or two of those as well. I think um, that um, I suppose people thought, well, I was, I was trying to say, I, I kind of make nerdy humor based on the Irish, uh, the Irish language. And I'm sorry that because I, I made a joke at one politician that I didn't make a joke about every single politician. Dara, you know? do you not know that you have to talk about if you mention a thing, you have to mention all the things? I can't slag Prince Philip without also slagging Meghan Markle, apparently. No, you can't slag. You can't slag anyone. Um, or you have to slag everyone. Uh, yeah. Oh, listen. Uh, yeah, it's a it, it takes a lot of time. Mentioning things. Mentioning stuff. I mean, it's, it's a mugs game. <laughs> it's a game for people with way too much time on their hands. The mentioning. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I think there's a, a certain set of skills that people need to just be able to blather through stuff and not actually get on the hook of things. But the important thing is that everything is fun now. Yes, life mm. is good. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been? I've been good, thank you. So I, I, you brought me here on the pretext. I was speaking about a particular personality. Yes, well, I was just thinking that I was thinking about unfairly maligned women. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking of, I don't think it's unfair at all. Go on, go on. I was on. thinking about unfairly maligned women and the first two thoughts I had were Tara Flynn and Peg Sayers. <laughs> oh, dear. 
yeah, look, I'm very happy to inhabit the same space as Peg. That's, you know, I mean, I would be thrilled mm-hmm. to to go down in, in history as, as someone who moaned a lot. That would be, look, listen, I, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think Peg was maligned, but I have taken part in the maligning. So, you know, we have to evolve. You know, the way people are trawling through 10-year-old tweets now looking for people, uh, yes. you know, who might have said a thing that they might no long, not, not any longer say, but they said the thing. I, I'm that with Peg. I've learned so much more about Peg in recent years. Um, um, the fact that she, you know, she was, you know, she was she was a hot, hot biatch. She was she was hot and she was sexy. And, um, you know, but we didn't get that in school. And what you have to understand is, I know you've dealt with this on the podcast before, the, the idea of, you know, oh, Irish wasn't taught, uh, you know, the same way as friend. we didn't have as much, la, 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 you yeah. know, fun crack stuff, you know, like talking about the post office. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the 80s, when things were already grim, really mm-hmm. grim, and we were being sold this, you know, pop of, you need a job in Brussels, not, there'll be nothing for you here. You'll need the French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, you, There's no point even thinking about staying in Ireland. You'll have to go. So it was like the focus was on foreign languages. Yeah. And then I loved Irish. I did honours Irish. I absolutely loved it. But as a teenager, with all the other grimness around, the story of, you know, the height of the humour being laughing at a cow in a ditch, <laughs> I couldn't connect with Peg. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you know, constantly dying sons and, uh, you know, only the, the bit of sov to mark Christmas. <laughs> it was just like when it wasn't too far off in the country at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was a lot of grimness. I hear she was a lot funnier, but that the funny stuff didn't make it into the version that we got taught in school. So I'm staying open on Peg now. This is the thing. And I, I know my father was, was from Kerry and I know you, you don't get a reputation and Kerry is a great storyteller. Without being a really, really great storyteller, like I mean, yeah, you know, and funny, and I mean, carry people who would be considered mediocre storytellers or about average would go <laughs> somewhere else and would be considered outstanding storytellers. Wow, you're a harsh crowd. <laughs> and and then I thought, so how? And this and Peg was regarded as the absolute greatest greatest storyteller. So much so that people travelled said, "There's a really, really good storyteller in Kerry. You should go and listen to her." And and then the big thing is, I think that's a if. And that was even before the internet. Like, so yeah. if word spread, you know, you had to put effort into it. Very. This is the thing. It had to get a big deal on up. Then one of the issues is, I know my when my mom was in the audience of the live show, she very said it's, you know, there's the books that might be enjoyed by people at different points in their lives are necessarily the best books for teenagers. And you probably do find a lot of teenagers loved Kill a Mockingbird and Lord of the Flies and Roll of Thunder. Which maybe are quite suitable to um, to teenage audiences in school. That's they're on the English curriculum, but Peg mightn't be the something that you connect with when you're 17 years old. Well, that's it. And that was it, exactly. And it was like, it wasn't that I didn't, I loved, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought at one point about maybe doing archaeology. I loved ruins and I loved going visit. I loved Irish heritage. I loved history. I loved mythology. Uh, you couldn't keep me out of the library with getting out the mythology books. Um, but it was like with Peg, it was like this was this was history given to me in a way that wasn't immediate in terms of I couldn't go and see it and touch it. And also it wasn't talking about anything that a 17 year old might like. And mm. um, so, you know, um, there wasn't even the court. She, she's a fine husband in it, but there's no courting. But I hear there was a lot of that. And if you saw Peg live, <laughs> <laughs> the live experience was lots of courting and and. Whoo, 
Yeah, for sure. And, and lifting of petticoats for non-mourning reasons. And this is the other part that the book was because Peg, she would have learned to write in English, but she didn't write in Irish. Mm. The book was dictated to her son. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that possibly awkward. You, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Mom. I would, I would imagine if, like, if Lostrina was taking dictation of my life story years later, <laughs> I probably would self censor a bit. You might, you might, ever so slightly. <laughs> but you see, that was the thing. It's like so, and I have it in my my book, the first book, Your Grand, which is actually out of print. But if you find it in a secondhand shop, you might people might enjoy it. What it tries to do, what that book tries to do. And that's why I started writing about Peg at all. And that's when I reread Peg as an adult was research for that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to just half remember things. I wanted to read it as an adult. So um, and I did get a lot more out of it. And it's like, you know, the hardship is very clear there. It's a beautiful, you know, what was an oral history set down. Um, so there's lots of value in it. But I did go, oh, my God, that they, you know, they tried to sell this to kids in the 80s. It was just not, you know, <laughs> we were all about the leg warmers. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I, I enjoyed more as an adult and looking back. And uh, it's, it's still, though, you know, I, I think there's a better way to, to reach kids or, or let them discover Peg when they're older, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love her now. I do love her now. But the whole book was about subverting things, we, expectations. So it's a bit so on the surface, people think, oh, it's it's talking about Irish cliches. What I'm trying to do is subvert those cliches. Oh, yeah. Over accept them. Over accept the cliches of, you know, the, t- the cup of tea and the, the brown cake and all that. I'm trying to over accept those premises and uh, and have a bit of fun at the expense and say, look, if Irish women, the premises, if Irish women can survive all this shit and all this cliche ridden nonsense, anyone can. So it's yeah. a spoof self-help book. Peg is in there because I wanted to talk about the fact that boldness is something we all need and we uh, that we hear that Peg was bold but we don't see it that much in the book mm-hmm. and the only time she's bold she's mean like, like <laughs> the, it, again the aforementioned cow in the ditch I was like oh, she's like she's laughing at this cow and I laughing when I'm going down the road right Peg so <laughs> I updated Peg I did a, just a little passage that's a day in the life of modern Peg so all that research just for one passage. But, you know, I really enjoyed writing it. But I, I reckoned that Peg wouldn't take kindly to protests that she'd be like, haven't she plenty and you're not in a dungeon. So <laughs> because the woman had nothing and made a great fist of her life. So um, I reckon she'd figure, you know, shut up, shut up. She'd probably unfortunately be one of those Asher. Yes, me too, has gone too far. Sure, look, the, the petticoats made to be lifted. Um, <laughs> I don't think that, you know, but honestly, though, I think I think if she had grown up a little bit later, she would she would be on side. She would be, a, you know, a massive, a massive variety feminist. Yes, yeah, I think she would. But, you know, you know, different times. Um, but yeah, you know, there's loads to be had in her. So from someone, I suppose, who doesn't consider myself a, a peg expert, a, a pegspert, pegspert, if you will. Um, I, I reckon we've, you know, we have explored her a little bit, which is no harm. Hmm. And her book passes the Bechdel test. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, yeah, she had the best friend. Mm-hmm. She did, Koch. Yeah, Koch. She went off to America. Everyone else was called Koch at the time, apart from Peg. So, um... This is a... I've, there was a big shortage of names back in the old days. There, there Which, clearly was. <laughs> and I... One of the things I, I do if I, if sometimes I'm in, in stuck in traffic or just, you know, one of my... One of my internet vortexes is the CSO names database. Oh, really? Yes. Basically, they have data data on all the names from 1964 onwards and how they've risen and fallen in popularity. It's fascinating. What's particularly interesting is 1964 is the year after Vatican II, 
when suddenly <gasps> priests were, weren't as strict on only giving saints names anymore. Yeah. And you find, say, the name Mary is absolute number one right up to about 1983, interestingly. What else what could have happened in 93? But then mm. it started dropping dramatically. Wow. And then suddenly and you find some names that, that the name Sinead was really popular until until Nothing Compares to You came out and then started dropping. Wow, really? Yes. For some reason, it was it was like in the top five all through the 70s and 80s and the 90s. It just started to trickle I guess it was off. there's only one Sinead. Absolutely. Well, that's what happened then. The, the foot came down, the cuss came down. You just, it's one of those one names now. I think Sinead. it's... Sinead, that's it. That's, I, that's Sinead. That's, yeah, you know, there's, there's like, yeah, there's one Sinead, there's one Mary Lou. And there's, right. yeah, and right. there's, and yeah. And Cher. Yeah. And Cher and yeah. Keanu. <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I, mean, I remember in the 80s, though, so the Vatican II thing did happen and they were less strict on saints names. But I remember somebody wanting to call and I won't I won't give any identifiers, but somebody that we knew wanting to call their baby uh, after a flower, a particular yeah. flower. And they were told that that wasn't a saint's name and they they were discouraged. Mm. That was in the 80s. So it's like, although Vatican II did remove that stipulation, it was still there in the parishes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> and this is the thing, an awful lot came down to the, the, the personality and the opinions of a local priest. That was um, it. Depending on who you got. Did you get a good one? And I scraped through. I scraped mm. through. Um, well, it's And interestingly, it's, it's just one of these happy coincidences. It's the Hindi word for star. Yeah, that's right. I have a tattoo of a star on my ankle because I am a walking cliche. <laughs> And uh, yeah, well, I suppose I was trying to explore, you know, a more multicultural life than going, you know, a, a, a big hill in Meath. Um, but yeah, I got called Tara mm. because um, I was the first granddaughter on one side, the first grandchild on the other. And they thought there'd be sort of political shenanigans if I was named after either grandmother. Ah, yes. So, um, so I got called. They, they, they looked in a baby book in 1969 they looked in a baby book they, it was very progressive if you think about it Yeah. Um, looked in a baby book and they went well Tara you know it's Celtic and it's uh, you know it's, it's definitely Irish it's short it's easy to spell and there you go but my name was going to be John other than that yeah. Ooh. Mm. if you're if you're you know, yeah. born boy, I was going to be Africa I was born a girl oh you were yeah, that was, that was that was down Africa was the was top girl's name, but uh, my my mom only had boys, so uh, she never got to chant, try out any of the, the her the girls' names she liked. Aww. I like Africa as a name. Africa is a very cool name. Yeah, I love it. Mm. I love it. Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Anton. We are two of the three co-hosts of a podcast called Juvenalia. Our third co-host, Sarah Marie Griffin, is not here. Juvenalia is a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that they were obsessed with when they were a child. So if you want to hear Sarah from Tegan and Sarah talking about Madonna's future of the Earth work. Or hear about Maria Joel Kennedy and why her favourite film is The Wizard of Oz. Or hear Caroline O'Donoghue talking about Frasier. And subscribe to us on any podcast app you might be listening to right now. Okay, that's See the ad. Then. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Speaking of more Irish stuff, uh, your, would you say it was your big break, the Morbegs? <laughs> I don't know if I've had my big break yet, Darach. I'm still <laughs> waiting. I want stadium tours, you know what I mean? Of course. So I'm still, oh, listen, this, you know, constant, constantly having to dredge up and create my own work <laughs> and pray that someone will, will take it mm-hmm. is, uh, is not enough. It's just not enough. I'm very grateful for everyone who's bought the, the book that's out and everything. Mm. Thank you, everyone. But yeah, so my big break, yes, probably it was. Well, actually, no, no, it was my second job in television. So, um, yeah, it was my second job. So, yeah, uh, I first did a puppet show called Rimini Riddle. But the one that people would know is Morbegs. So, yeah, I was Molly Morbeg, which I'm going to pause for a second while people take that in. I was Molly Morbeg and people lose their 
when I say that. This is when Brian's going to insert an appropriate clip from the Morbegs. Okay, we'll pause for that. And that was more <laughs> Um that brought back a lot of memories. Um mm. but uh yeah, it was a it was a strange gig because there were so many they needed a lot of episodes because it was to go out five times a week. It was only ten minutes, but it was five times a week that it was going to go out. So we needed two teams because for the people in this, actually in the suits, it was really grueling work. Oh, yeah, incredibly physical. They were all dancers. They were all trained dancers. So they were all in the suits, and then myself and another voice actor. There were two different teams. So there was something like uh, two Mollies and two Rosses, and then I think you know different cast at different times. So maybe there were three Rosses and two Mollies over time. Myself and a girl oh. called Magella, um, were um, we were the uh, the two Mollies, and uh, yeah. So what we we all had to do was try and sync our voices. So we did loads of workshops before, so that we all speak the same way. The whole idea was that even though she, I think Magella was from. Drahad, I think, and I was from, I'm from Kinsale. And then the Rosses, we had to be the Dublin accent. Oh. We had to be sort of a kind of a, not too posh, but sort of a middle class Dublin accent. Mm -hmm. And then Rossa was rural. Rossa was from Cork. People don't remember that, that they had two different accents. They weren't brother and sister, you see, they were friends. Oh, they're just pals. They're just pals. Yeah, very close, very close friends. No truth to the rumours. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> very close friends um, who enjoyed doing everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, yeah, they, so, so yeah, Molly and Rasa, um, so Molly spoke like this. And so Magella and I tried to make our voices the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, we had to, <coughs> we had to standardize the Irish the same as well. Okay. So we had, it was Gabriel Rosenstock, I believe, who came in and sort of gave us the sort of, okay, this is how this, this would be Leinster Irish, this would be Munster Irish. And, this is how you pronounce these particular things <coughs> so that the Irish was correct to the accent as well. Fantastic. That's probably something a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just standing up and reading things out. No, there was a lot of work went into it. So tell us about how the um, the Irish content was included in the Morbegs because obviously Morbeg itself. Morugus Pyog. Uh, mm. Yeah, big, small. So the Morbegs were very big creatures given that they were supposed to be little kids. So they were ready for learning and they came to our realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people often ask, was it a planet? Was it, you know, was it another dimension? Who can say? They were they were not of our not of our realm. Sphere. Yeah. Sphere. Yes, they were not of our sphere. So Molly and Rossa came and they were supposed to learn everything they could so that they go could go back with the knowledge to save the growing tree. The growing tree was dying and if the growing tree dies then all more bags die it's bleak. Ooh. So Molly and Rossa were, you know, pioneers really for the whole Morbeg people. Mm. Um, they tried to share more big culture, but they didn't share that many more big tricks or, or secrets. They more learned about our tricks and secrets. And um, and it was, uh, yeah, the, the Irish content was Molly and Ross already had a bit of Irish, but they enjoyed learning a bit more as well. And they would be more content in certain episodes. But I think the baseline had to be softly, sort of roughly a third Irish in the script. It was only a 10 minute script and there were 
inserts like of kids playing or going to the zoo mm. or, you know, it wouldn't be an RTE kids show unless there was footage of the zoo. Yes. Um, like every single Bosco ever through the magic door was always the zoo. Well, they just called a zoo door, you know what I mean? Yeah, the zoo. <laughs> um, so, but there was, so between the wizards, the magicians who were the people that the Morbegs lived with in the castle mm. um, and the Morbegs themselves, the content had to be so roughly a third Irish, even if it was an Eantach or Haravewa. <laughs> 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 Even if it was just a little exclamation, it was just about making sure that whoever was watching was getting a little bit of Irish. And even if they didn't speak, even if their families didn't speak Irish, they'd be picking it up. And this is the thing that people actually do find that some of these things actually worked very well in terms of the way uh, children's television that introduces vocabulary. Often they say, "Let's if we can Sesame Street and Dora, they say, let's just make sure that whoever watches this episode comes away with two or three words. Yeah. Abierto, cerrado. Abierto. <laughs> Cerrado. Cerrado. Yeah, that was Sesame Street. All my Spanish is from Sesame Street. Um, sometimes Lost Rena <laughs> watches a bit of Dora. And oh, yeah, so it's, and you get that. And you know, so we, there's a there's a fox in it called Swiper. He's always swiping things. That's a good name for him then. And yeah, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit kind of, um, he's kind of marked down the fact that he's like, if, if anything ever gets swiped, like he's never going to get a fair trial. No. No, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Don't let him near Tinder. <laughs> oh, God, just Swiper. Is he lucky in love? Or? Yeah. <laughs> or is he not? Mm. Yeah, but he's certainly, um, but it's, 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 an, it's interesting that they've chosen to take this model of, of saying that's, you know, they, the children will watch these things over and over again. Anything that's for children is for repeat watching. Yeah. And maybe then, yes, you build vocabulary one or two words at a time. And if you're watching a different episode every day for three or four weeks, then those words will gradually add they up. They do. That's, that was the hope. And it was actually, the model was Sesame Street. So even though it was a 10 minute episode, the idea was that the, all, the, all the live action takes place in a particular place, which is the home space, yeah. so like the street on Sesame Street. So it's the castle. Um, and then there would be inserts inserts that might be they might be imported a lot of them were Irish made so they were animations or um, or just little fun fun things like um, fun, you know more puppet related content <laughs> <laughs> a lot of felt involved in children's television yes um, but it was it, but it was there would always, always be uh, an educational bit so it would be some, sometimes they were based on maths or or physics or problem solving in some way so yeah there was the Morbigs was trying to get learning in so it wasn't just entertainment, but it was also hopefully entertaining. There were loads of silly songs repeated at the beginning and at the end. Uh, let's sing the song again. <laughs> um, there's all that stuff, which is great for smallies. And uh, and one of the really fun things was was meeting the smallies. They come into the studio and that was just the best crack, just watching them with the lads. <laughs> I was accused of making the word smallie up, but it seems to, I think it's a Kinsale, especially Kinsale expression or Cork expression. Oh, is it, do you think? Maybe. I, I I, I've heard it from yourself. Yeah. Maeve Higgins all right. and our mutual friend Noel, who's yeah. also in sale, <laughs> and the three of you all would say smallies. I say smallies, yeah. I'd, I'd never thought about where it came from. I'd, I've always considered, and I, I was aware of it being Cork in general, but it's particularly in sale. And I was accused of making it up. Oh, really? On, on the internet. Oh, now I'm worried that when I say smallies, people think I'm maybe talking about underwear or something in some kind of euphemism. <laughs> no, 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 no. Smallies no, are children. I really like talking to smallies. What? Oh, God. Because <laughs> I just, it's, it's one of my favorite Hiberno English expressions, and I use it all the time myself when I'm referring to small children smallies this is brilliant oh, I love just, it yeah. and you know exactly what you mean you know somewhere between toddler and like seven where they start to get a bit of sense Yeah, it's like smallies yeah, yeah they, they will ask you all the good questions or like uh, you know my friend Tiernan Duyab does um, uh, comedy club for kids and 
the best heckles mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? <laughs> you know? And then there's a chat, a chat ensues. And uh, yes, yeah, smallies are brilliant for that. Definitely. <laughs> you put, you're drinking from your headstuff mug. Mm-hmm. Mm, hydration yeah, break. Indeed. I'm drinking from my headstuff mug at the moment because I'm that on brand. You're so on brand. It's <laughs> Speaking of headstuff. Yeah. Do you have any nooks for us? Well, no, scale at all. Scale bjog, no scale more, scale more bjog. Um, <laughs> I have, yeah, we, we're doing a podcast. Oh, no. Yeah, we, we oh, shall, yes. We'll have to fight. You and I will have to fight on the street. Tell me. No, it's your... going to be part of the podcast family, I hope. Um, or certainly jumping off from there. Because um, I've loved working with Headstuff. And obviously the, the book I have out at the moment, Rage is from the Headstuff blogs I used to write every week um, called Rage In, funnily enough. Um, and we're going to sort of move on from there because even as the book explores, it was meant to be satirical rage. Like, what am I angriest about this week? Yeah. And as the book was getting was going on because it was weekly as the pieces rather each week were going on um, uh, even satirical rage wasn't cutting it anymore it just felt like adding fuel you know adding petrol to the fire Yeah. Um, that laughing about Donald Trump or Brexit or laughing about you know uh, you know people people laughing at things being too PC that that it didn't help anymore because people in the real world were getting harmed or suffering real hardship. Yeah. So it seemed, it felt too glib to be even doing satirical rage about it. So the book is written and, you know, the quest for empathy is what it turned out to be. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a podcast called Random Acts. So it'll be different every week and it'll be the antithesis to rage. It'll be crack. It'll be warmth. It'll be, you know, if 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 I have a guest on, we'll be able to talk about more serious stuff if we like. But there'll always be room for a little bit of light lightness because yeah. you can't have, you know, shade without light. And it seems like kindness has been weaponized a little bit, particularly online. And yeah. I find that I, I just that really saddens me. So rather than talk about it or be another commentator out there going, well, this is what's happening. I'd rather try and create an antidote. Mm-hmm. So it'll hopefully be an antidote. So sometimes I'll just be rabbiting away to myself in my house with my dog. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'll be interviewing people um, and sometimes I'll have a more structured episode where I'll speak about something specific. But it'll be like the weekly blog that we had that was written. It'll just be me voicing it. So you'll get a bit more. I think tone gets lost so much on the internet. Yes, and this is a big thing. And this is when something pe- when people are giving out emojis, they don't realise actually yeah. that how critical these are for tone. Sometimes they can be very passive aggressive, but I found that between uh, between emoji and GIFs, I'm never going to say GIFs, just not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's it's for, the G is for graphics, so it's go. I'm with and you. I'm I with so you it was a big thing for me that uh, I suppose was to uh, yes establish a cozy tone that that if some people a person who only had a very minimum interest in Irish would say well the the GIF game might be is is effective here and then gradually they would learn the Irish even realizing it. Yeah, slide it in GIF form. Snake it in. Snake it in. Slownigge. <laughs> <laughs> slide it in there <laughs> sorry I can't this is the problem and this is yes. I, I, my nickname used to be Filthy Flynn with the people who knew me best because I can't I can't resist an innuendo and I can't you know when things were getting so serious there with the, all the campaigning and things you can't include all that but that is part of who I am and I really mm. want people to get the the filthy side and of course uh, you know, I used to have this uh, parody Twitter account called Flinspiring um, and there will be a Flinspirational quote in every episode I think that's very important to mm. have some Flinspiration um, i.e. absolute nonsense um, <laughs> but that we you know so we do take the piss a little bit so it's not, never taken too, taking ourselves too seriously it's really important 
part of the problem, I think, with the whole campaigning malarkey was that people took me too seriously. Yeah. Um, which I've no, I don't do. I'm kind of incapable of it. I had to rein in certain aspects of humor in certain contexts. Yeah. But uh, we get to put all those back in now, which is fantastic. How I, can I use? Can I use your? Can I use your podcast as a platform, please? Of course. So I deleted my Twitter account. I archived everything. Like you do, you know, you download the archive and then I deleted it. Deleted it. Haven't looked back. I've gone on for a lurk every now and again because I had this whole, I'd been sold again, you know, that whole idea of you need it for news. And I was going, oh, I'm not getting enough news. I, you know, I had a lurk and went, oh mm. my God, this is really creepy and weird. When I had a bit of time away from it, I was like, this is such a strange place. Yeah. So I'm doing fine without it. It may affect my work because it was a way of reaching people, but I'm hoping that we can reach people in an old school way through word of mouth like Peg. Yeah. Like Peg. She's my business model. Oh my God, thank you, Derek, for having me on today. She's the business model for the podcast. But what is, people have been writing to me saying, I hope you get out of Twitter jail soon. I'm like, I'm not in Twitter jail. And then somebody said to me, what's coming up when you put in my name, my old handle, uh, is um, this, uh, this, this account is restricted or something. Not this page doesn't exist, but this account is restricted. So to set the record straight, I've never been banned from Twitter. I never did anything that that violated their terms. I'm not in Twitter jail. I don't know why. So there, there's some glitch, but it's I've gone past that 30 days now, so I can't ever reactivate that account. It's gone. But so Tara Flynn IRL on Instagram, it's all kittens and, you know, fun, fun times. You know, you're my best self. You know, all that. I'm not going to show you the depressing bits. Some people go, oh, yeah. Realise that people are only showing you that cool, fun stuff and their lovely baby pics because they don't want to share their grim days with yeah. the world. And I think it's not just about curating something false. Although, you know, with the f- sort of fitness craze and all that, I think that can be a little bit, a little bit dangerous. But when people show you them smiling or yeah. them with their friends, it's not that they're being false. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, I don't want to depress you with my crap. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think, I always think of The Sound of sil- Silence by uh, Simon Garfunkel, the fact that it was literally, The Sound of Silence was about people turning off their radios during Vietnam. Yeah. And sometimes, yes, that, that while you are hearing silence, what the, the, what the silence isn't is very significant. And yeah. I find sometimes when I've spoken to some people who have a very strong, either internet product of some sort or, or, the, or their internet identity and sometimes when it, it, it is officially it, it's something that's extremely cuddly and cute and fluffy but then you realise actually this was they composed some of this work during a really really dark point yeah. and I know when the when the Donald Trump election results are coming in I just tweeted uh, pictures of fluffy animals and yeah, the Irish names for them because slagging him today just draws attention to my own weakness and yeah, and it's not funny. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's not funny. I find that people still slagging Trump and all of that. They're people who are never going to be affected. And they're the same. They're often the same people who are like, we've got to hear everyone out. No, some ideas are bad ideas. Yeah. Some ideas are about taking other people's rights away. And so, you know, stop trying to pretend it's about free speech because, you know, it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the free speech to say that's a bad idea. Yeah. And I don't want to contribute to it. So that's what I'll be hoping to do is not contribute to it. But yeah, never been in Twitter jail, not in Twitter jail, deleted my account, never coming back. So if you want, you know, bunnies and friends. <laughs> yeah, yay. A Tariflin IRL on Instagram. Hooray. Caninia Gascardia. Caninia Gascardia. Maybe that's what I'll call the podcast. Oh, it's a great name. <laughs> Tariflin, thank you so much. And for those of you at home, Rage In, published by Headstuff. Headstuff. Yep. Woo-hoo. Is available now in the bookshops. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Good Tara. meal, Margaret.
So follow Gerard anytime. <laughs> and so until the next time, it's long from me. Oh, and it's long from me. Catch you next time. Hey, Dark here. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. We put out a new show every week. Please do like and review our show on iTunes or wherever else you do get your podcast. It seems to be a great way for the show to appear and then suggestions for the people. And it's a great way for improving chart position for some reason. I don't know how that works. It just does. So that'll be much appreciated. And do tell your friends. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you are looking for any other podcast at the moment, that stuff do a range of shows. You might enjoy Dubland or Fair Game, which is about sport. Thanks to Brian for producing. Thanks to Kirsten Scheel for doing the artwork. If you wish to contact the show, you can get us at motherfucklorheadstuff.org on the email or at motherfucklore or the, at the Irish Forum on Twitter. We look forward to receiving your views and we will include them in our next mailbag episode. Until next time, Slon. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. That's a full sentence. In the past tense. Yeah. Jesus I Christ. Know. I mean, if, if you actually... She's a linguist's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> full different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah, they just...